0: Hello, hello, hello. It's a true pleasure to bring 2023 to you all again. Well, not again. It's the first time we've hit 2023. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the National Writing Projects the Right Time, the show that features the authors of books we love to read and teach and the educators who thrive on teaching them. My name is Brian Ripley Crandall, and I'm thrilled to be with several individuals tonight who are VIP to me, and NWP and my family, including my co-host, the woman with eight tentacles that she is always moving in multiple directions, Miss Tanya Baker. Ah, well, what hopes do you have for the new year, Tanya? Weren't we just partying together like it was 1999?
1: We hmm. were indeed. What is NCTE for, if not? Yeah. To party like yeah. it's 1999 every year. Hi, Brian. Welcome back. And yes, I try. Hope is a practice, and I try to practice it. And I think for 2023, I am hopeful that um, in this country and in the world we remember that while one book might be harmful, having access to all the books is all can only make us better. I hope we will remember that because I feel like we've lost track. Like you, I'm so excited to have so many beautiful people from our network with us tonight to offer a holiday episode of the right time. This time, we want to share a resource that every educator should have. It's the winner of the 2022 Excellence in Equity Award for Best Book for Educators. The book's title is Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters. And all three of its authors, Tanya Perry, Steve Zellman, and Katie Smith, are with us tonight. Many of us across network have benefited from their brilliance. They have presented at NCTE and Urban Sites Network conferences and in the teacher studio. Um, last, mark when, last March, when the book debuted, Brian quickly said we have to have them on the show. And he also named two stellar teacher leaders from the Red Mountain Writing Project to join them. So we are so happy to have. Tanya Perry, Steve Zemmelman, Katie Smith, Jamika Thomas, and Sajanika Henderson-Green with us on the show. It's great to see you all together tonight.
0: I get the pleasure of introducing the stellar, stellar, wonderful writers that are with us tonight. But first, I just want to read a couple comments from scholars across the United States. Richard Richard Milner writes, teachers are far more than mere transmitters of subject matters. Rather, teachers are and should be interrupters of inequity in the fight for social justice. Linda Christensen, she also writes, this is a book for every classroom, school, department, district, and educational institution that claims to put equity at the center of its work. For me, the authors challenge us to act professionally, to listen to one another, and to participate in a community to build equity for all. It's a stellar, stellar blueprint to follow. To follow. Yeah. Dr. Tanya Perry is the director of the Red Mountain Writing Project in Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. She also is the vice provost of Miles College and HBCU and co-author of teaching for racial equity, becoming interrupters. She is the vice president of NCTE. Her favorite pastime is writing and spending time with family and friends. Katie Smith, who is also with us, is the chair of the Department of Educational Inquiry and Curriculum Studies and the director of the Graduate Studies of Northeastern Illinois University in Chicago. She began her association with the Illinois Writing Project as a teacher consultant while she was teaching high school students and now directs the IWP with Steve Zabelman. Dr. Steven Zabelman is a visiting scholar at Northeastern Illinois University and a founding director of the Illinois Writing Project. He promotes student civic engagement and restorative justice in Chicago schools. Woo His books on teaching, writing, and reading have long been widely appreciated, including the Best Practice, Bringing Standards to Life to America's Classrooms with Harvey Daniels and Arthur Hyde, and From Inquiry to Action, Civic Engagement with Project-Based Learning. Now for the incredible teachers, Tanya.
1: First, I owe two of our authors well, especially, just mostly Katie, an apology because I was so taken up listening to all those kind words, I forgot to advance the slide. So Katie kind of zoomed by on her bio, but the words were spoken. Uh, Despite being transfixed and not doing my host jobs, I am really excited about this episode and the opportunity to introduce two of my favorite educators, Dr. Jamika Thomas. Is a veteran educator who's devoted her professional career to K-12 education. She's also a professional development consultant for the National Writing Project and the Red Mountain Writing Project. Dr. Thomas has been a leader of leaders for many years and currently serves as the Director of Curriculum and Instruction. Her mission is to mentor and lead teachers and students to academic success and personal growth. Sanjanika Henderson-Green is a veteran educator who's dedicated herself to professionally, professionally to serving secondary scholars. She's currently serving as an instructional coach for a middle school in a large urban school district. Additionally, Sanjanika is a professional development cons- consultant and co-facilitator of the Summer Institute for the Red Mountain Writing Project. Is her mission to help teachers continually delve into the purpose of their instu- instruction and to reflect on its inf- effectiveness. She is married and has one son who's 20 years old. All right. Um, Jamika and Sanjanika, I'm turning this the show over to you. I know you're going to start by offering us a writing prompt. Those who are listening or watching online can pause their show if they want to actually stop and write now before the interview. Jamika, over to you.
2: Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Tanya and Brian. So tonight we start with a writing prompt and it is partially on the screen in the foreword of the book, a poem by Yolanda Seely Ruiz appears on page XXI, which is 21. It reads, "In it's tiring. Racial literacy incite the change and bring the nation to the tipping point of what is professed long ago, before you or I came to be. Racial literacy is a practice. It probes the existence of racism and examines the effects of its damage on our experiences. Racial literates have the skill to discuss and dismantle centuries old lies of superiority. Think of someone who has shown up in your space and place or someone who you have seen on TV or social media that embodies the characteristics of being racially literate.
1: At this time,
2: we can pause.
1: Perfect. Thank you, Jamika. I would probably name somebody on this panel if I were doing this writing and maybe I'll do that as I listen to you talk. I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing my screen and stop my video. Brian and I will leave and leave you to what I'm sure is gonna be an excellent conversation. Thank you.
2: Well, good evening. Good evening to Katie and Tanya and Steve. Myself and Sanjanika, we're so excited to be able to interview you all this evening. We're we're privileged, we know you all personally, but to be able to do this with you all is such an extreme joy. So we're gonna start off with our first question um, and it really starts in the introduction. It says, in the introduction, you acknowledge teacher and student writers. I'm sorry. In introduction, you acknowledge teacher and student writers. Why was it important to include them as writers in the book? And what unique perspectives did they bring? Oh, that's Who would like to go point. first.
3: I love that question. Um, because I think it is central to the design and the thought process and all the conversations that Tanya and Steve and I had over the time that we worked on this book. Um, you know, we three. We have perspectives and collectively we have a lot of experiences, but there's nothing that is quite as important as the experience of the classroom teachers who are on the ground doing the current day to day work. And most importantly, the young people and so few books for educators center the voices of teachers and of students that we just felt that was absolutely crucial. Uh, for for this
4: book. Totally agree. I totally agree. Um, thank you all for being here. I'm excited to hear your perspective. And you're so right, Katie, like teachers who are right there and the voices of the children. That was so powerful for me as I read those children's story. Um, and I was like, wow, this was so genius for you all to include that. So I want to ask... Um, ask about another section that we were really intrigued by as we were discussing how we would move forward with our questioning. And we thought about the the different segments of the time to talk. They were so, so interesting. So I have a question for you about that. After the introduction to the book, there begins a series of small but significant sections called time out to talk. Why was it essential to include this in your book? Whoever wants to jump
5: in and talk about it. I'll take that one. You know, Time to Talk is actually, well, the time, the times in the book that are named Time to Talk are some of my most um some of the most interesting pieces of the book. I think now don't get me wrong. I think the whole book is very interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. But um it's we wanted to model what it meant to actually have difficult conversations, right, and uh, and what it meant to build relationships, what that looks like, what that sounds like, and how it's important for us as teachers, as educators, and students to make space for that, so that's what we did. We make space for it, um, and I can remember the first time the talk talks about is between Steve and myself when we have a conversation about why did he ask me to write this book with him? And uh, I can remember the day I even asked that question to him. And uh, we had an honest conversation, you know, and and began to really unpack and think about um, how, why we do what we do, you know, and then to be honest with each other about what that work looks like and, uh, and wanted to model that conversation. We didn't want this book to be something that, was um, perfect because when you talk about race and you talk about difficult conversations, it's not perfect. And you're going to have these pitfalls and these ups and downs. And we really wanted to model that in this text. Steve, did you have anything you wanted to add? Well, yeah, I
6: wanted to just add that it's not like we said, oh, we've got to have these conversations. So let's have some and put them in the book. Right. They were real tanya prairie asked me that and and it was like oh my gosh what do i say to her you know what is the honest truth here and can i really say that and um so they actually happened and then we decided you know what our experience does reflect what we're asking people to do and rather than be the people on high who know it all we're going to show you that we struggle the way we know you may have to struggle. So don't think we're any better. It's a journey that we're all on.
4: Yeah, I, I I found them, I was so intrigued by them. I read them like a couple times because I was so intrigued by the authenticity of that those conversations along the way. It was so transparent and it just really, really seemed like real live work continuously.
6: I well, will never forget that first one believe me.
4: And
3: you know, one of the things that the we truly have we've been on Zoom once a week for 3 years <laughs> at least at this point, right? And so often we recorded those Zoom conversations and so those time out to talk segments are things that came right out of the actual work of of the book. Um so no they weren't created they were our lived experience with this oh i could
4: hear i could hear the tone and yeah. the vo- i could hear your voices and it was genuine questioning i mean it was genuine modeling of thinking through a situation and mm-hmm. i loved it so much for its authenticity so thank you all for including that in the book jamica
2: um so this work is difficult right? It takes a lot of honesty. It takes a lot of reflection. And to do that, you need something that really anchors you to process. And so we noticed that one of the frameworks that you use is a new framework that Yolanda C. Lurice has developed called Racial Literacy Development. How did that influence your your work with this book? Wow.
5: um, you know, that's a excellent question. And we talked about uh, the racial literacy model, a uh, development model. We tossed it around. But after we had gone through it, we thought this would be a really good anchor for the text. And it's the, a really good anchor for the text because I think all three of us agree that uh, Critical Love, which is a foundation, I would believe, for her work, is a foundation of our work. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, there are times in life where people think that they're making a difference or they're impacting um, racial literacy uh, in positive ways. But the question is, is it a foundation in critical love? Mm -hmm. If what you are doing is not impactful and based uh, in love and it's harmful, it causes some harm, then you have to think, this might not be something that's grounded um, and helpful to uh, our racial literacy development, right? It's got to be where it doesn't harm and it really does, it's based on critical love and then it goes up to the other layers and goes and it's recursive. It doesn't have to be just layered, um, but But to be a good interrupter, you do want a good, fa- a solid foundation in critical love. And I know that uh, my colleagues may want to comment. If I keep asking them to comment, we won't get through probably all your questions, but I think it's important <laughs> that we do a, yes. a reasonable job with the questions that mm-hmm. we have. So please, Katie, did you want to add anything? I really appreciated
3: that in the communications that we had with Yolanda, she emphasizes that this is not linear, that this is... It's more complicated than that. But of course, you know, with words, we can only put them in a certain order, right? (laughs) So there's got to be some order to it. Um, I've also appreciated that thinking about the different layers to do some self, some introspection and some self-examination of, okay, where are some places that I feel like I'm pretty strong and pretty knowledgeable? And where are places that I need to grow, you know, that I need to do the work to be more competent and more effective in this area or that area. But as Tanya said, always on that foundation of critical love. And teachers don't go into this work because we don't like kids. We do we go we go into this work because we love kids and we love our, we love learning and we love knowledge and we love reading and writing. And and so how do we take that foundation of our of our love? for our children and and make sure that we're doing the very best that we can.
6: I would just add that it isn't just liking your kids. It's a deep caring about their future, about who they are as people, about what they bring to the classroom. Mm -hmm. And um, the other quick thing I wanna say is that not just critical love, but all of the pieces in that framework are things that if you are going to try to make change in your school, you need to do with yourself. Um, the, that that gives you the base to be able to do it. And without that, you may make you know mistakes and missteps that you don't even realize are happening. And it helps you to be oriented. So you think carefully. Boy, humility is a big one for me. So many things I realized that I really didn't know and understand, and I'm still not all the way there, but it's a process.
4: It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've enjoyed reading about the process. um. And so I just want to continue this conversation because Dr. Perry, you mentioned something about, um. I think you just mentioned something about Interrupters. Dis- interrupter. mm-hmm. And so I just want to continue that conversation because during NCTE, Um, I heard you and several of us heard you begin to explain the difference between a disruptor and an interrupter. And I found that so, so intriguing. And so will you share the difference between a disruptor and an interrupter? Because I think that's vital for the audience to know. I
6: think that you, Steve. Well, I'll, I'll start, but um, I think Tanya and Katie should speak too, because it happened that I wasn't able to go to NCTE, even though I've shared a lot of that thinking. And, um, you know, words are powerful and um, there are time disrupt sounds more mm, maybe conflictual or more kind of, you know, really turning the tables over. And there are times when that's really necessary. We can't say, you know, oh, we've all got to just be nice all the time. But uh, (laughs) Tanya nods her head. Um, uh, But interruption for me, and we'll see how Tanya views it, is it's more dialogue, more dialogical. It's more kind of, wait a minute, we need to talk about this. We need to think about what this means and whether we're really doing discipline, for example, in a way that's really meaningful for children's growth. So um, so we thought that that was a better word. But I would say that, you know, people like the folks who develop disrupt texts, they didn't mean to just throw the text out. So they were using disrupt actually in a softer sense of bringing other texts to it or substituting. So you know, people use these words differently. And we just thought this would help focus people on, a thoughtful interruption.
5: I'm thinking that um, interruption also is something you can do quite often, right? You can interrupt something, you can stop someone's thinking, or you can redirect. Um, disruption usually can't occur as often, just because it's more of a stop. But it's not an either or; it is an and. You know, mm-hmm. there's a we need to interrupt and disrupt. You know, and so we can on a daily basis have these conversations where we ask people, can you rethink that? Did you really mean to say it that way? Because this is how I took this. Or um, did you what did that word mean when you said that? Uh, Did you know that that's how I, I felt a certain way when you said that word? Those are interruption phrases that we can use and all of us can put those in place. So I I think that there's a interruption and there's disruption, but we can constantly interrupt and redirect in ways that um, pause people's thinking, right? So that they can come back to it. Katie, did you want to add? Um,
3: I don't think there's anything to add. I think you got you you two have said all the things that we've been saying together for, for a while. So
4: thank you so much for explaining that because both are important when you're having critical conversations, and when you are doing this kind of work, we need to be able to disrupt and interrupt um, what's happening. So thank you all for explaining those. Jamaica.
2: Um, It really leads us and in, um, into our next question. When you interrupt and disrupt spaces... How do you believe, or what is your expectation of the transformation that will happen after an interruption or a disruption? What do you think the outcomes will be?
3: Well, clearly, our hope and and expectation is that there will be positive change for greater equity. Um, you know, through the work of the book. I think we all are hoping that we have provided the models that we've talked about that we've provided some some guidance that will help uh educators and young people uh to to listen more carefully to one another to uh to make sure that the things that they are doing create greater space for uh, fourth ex, 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 expression, right? Let's <laughs> see if I can express, right? <laughs> to express their ideas and, and use their voices. Um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is we don't need to empower students. They have power. We need to allow them, we need to allow them the space and create the space to use that power, right? And and to use that voice. Um, and And so I think that's, a hope um colleagues what else what else would we want to add
5: i put to you steve <laughs>
6: well <laughs> you know there are many different levels of change because um race penetrates schools and life in general in so many different ways sometimes I've had in our Illinois Writing Project Equity Committee, people saying, where do we even start, you know? And it's like, well, pick one, you know, pick a card, any card, and we'll get started. And um, so uh, there may be changes that are at a policy level, like what should discipline look like in our school? There may be uh, changes that are more classroom level. there may be changes that are much larger. I mean, one of the things that's traced in one of the appendix in the book book is how in inet- how much inequity is in the funding of schools, and the districts right next to each other uh, have such different levels of funding, inequitable levels for the people of color, and um, that has not changed in fact there was just a new report that i saw on the web the other day that that's still gone the same as ever and it's kind of a cycle that's very hard to break you'd almost have to work at the state level to get somewhere with that so that funding was more equal so you know there's a there are lots of changes that have got to be made some have to be out in the community um with uh, when tanya spoke of um the the kind of attitudes and anger and feelings that are in the community now that are turning against schools and school boards. That's change that's got to happen in sort of really school educators connecting more with the community to help them to express their concerns more constructively. For example, that's a different and there's a lot of doing.
2: That um, really hits home for me um, by me um, being a director of curriculum instruction, Mm -hmm. you know, at a district level and understanding the intricacies in the systems that are embedded within Mm -hmm. um, curriculum, within what teachers teach and what students learn and how they do it and um the old way it has not helped us so this another way needs to to form and um to understand that some of it is based in things that are ugly you know as far as inequity that we just took as status quo well. and so that takes a lot um of brain power and heart um and perseverance to really make that transformation um so to look at it from as small as as Teacher-student conversations to as large as inequity of funding between districts. Um, I think that this, if people take this text, they can really see that they can pick any card and get to work. Right?
4: Yeah. So good. So good. So true. Um, you mentioned um, Steve. You mentioned about the appendix, which hmm. Jamaica and I were just blown away. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Full <of> so much, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, so the appendix is just um so comprehensive, just mm-hmm. so, so comprehensive. Why did you all decide to do an appendix that comprehensive in this text?
6: well, i I since I worked a lot on it, I guess I'll start <laughs> with this one. I want to hear from my partners. um you know, there are four appendices, and they each do a different job um. Mm-hmm. One is the forebears and present educators and writers for, without whom we couldn't have done this. And, and that was one way we could acknowledge that, just by listing as many as we could. And I hope, I'm sure we per- forgot a few, and I hope they're not insulted. Um, so that was one part. Another is the books that they've written, and we, that was separate. Uh, with little annotations so if teachers we one little book like ours can't do the whole job so if people want to go elsewhere where do they go and so we put little annotations on them too so they could make their choice then there are all these wonderful resources and actually that was started by one of our contributing teachers vanessa heller and um, and we thought let's put this together and make it really useful with qr codes, so people could go right there and then uh, the fourth one was the um, all of the data on inequities in, in education. And that originally was a chapter early on. And then we thought it was so depressing, we couldn't put it there. We couldn't have people stop and really get discouraged. So we put it at the end. But it's a resource because there are people that will say to teachers, well, all that racial stuff that's in the past aren't things better now you know this isn't systemic you know why do we have to do this this gives them some some ammunition but by the way it's now two years old plus um because of how long it takes to create a book and there's been so much more since and uh i collect those articles but there's so many i i can't even sort them out anymore so But I'd be interested in my partner's thoughts on those too.
5: Um,
6: What
4: do
5: you, Katie?
3: uh, Yeah, I mean, we do we do want to acknowledge Vanessa for organizing the the um, resources for classroom teachers, you know, uh, and having the idea that we should do QR codes. (laughs) So uh, it's like, okay, that's a good idea. yeah, you know, and one of the things that um, we, because of the nature of publishing, I mean, one of the things that we will be continuing to do. We've got two blog posts out now, and we will continue that might that will provide some opportunities for for continuing to update and provide new um, new resources or new information for for uh, for readers.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah,
5: absolutely, and the. Doug- it's not directly related to the conversation, but indirectly Um, the appendices has also spurred, you know, us to continue thinking about um, future work, you Mm -hmm. know, how this can continue to be relevant in classrooms, which will go into the blog and any other resources that we develop for teachers and students and other educators. Um, One that I'm working on right now is with the national board. And we're looking at uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. The idea that inclusiveness is not enough—it's almost like I'm inviting you to dinner, but I might not talk to you at the table. Well, if you really want to make a change, you have to—you com- have to be committed to inclusion and belonging. It's not mm-hmm. enough to just invite somebody; you got to make sure they understand that they do belong. You know, so that's furthering the work. Mm-hmm. And the three of us continue to talk about different ways. Uh, Katie continues to challenge us, and also thinking about how we can develop in teacher education. Steve mm. is what I call our an archivist, and he <laughs> collects uh, different articles and brings to us uh, new ways in which people are thinking right about this work. Um, and so, you know, we're we're just a team of colleagues who are committed to doing this. You know, so that appendices, the, the appendices is ever growing in our minds and always, um, uh, through this evolution, right? This is creating, it's not flat. It's a dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is is that the book can't grow, but the resources that we have that are connected to it would continue to grow. And so even our Facebook, we have a Facebook uh, group that hopefully in 23 we'll be able to make a little bit more active, but continue to do some of this dialogue, you know, but,
4: um, yeah, just you know, it's it's good work. It is good work. It, it is, is so work. good. And just thank you all for starting those conversations with the with the book, and then attaching all of that in those append in the, those appendices. Like it's just wild. Like like y'all, you all have said if a person doesn't know where to start, you all have done an amazing job of giving them a place to start. So thank you so much for that. It is really fantastic, Jamaica. In closing, this
2: work has proven to be life-changing to others. How has it changed your lives, professionally and personally, since you have written this book?
6: Hmm. Katie,
3: why don't you start? Yeah, I'll start, I'll start uh, and, and maybe start small. Like Since is the wrong word for me, since you have written this book, mm-hmm. because the process of writing the book it has been one of the most life-altering experiences mm-hmm. that I've had yeah um that and I've been very fortunate in my teaching career and in my university career to have wonderful colleagues and some wonderful teams that I've worked with all that said to build from from those experiences to this experience where, if you know when the week goes by and we haven't zoomed on Wednesday afternoon at three o'clock, it feels odd. <laughs> it, it's it, it feels odd, um, to know that I have among among my various colleagues and partners two particular partners that I can think carefully with every you know regularly every week mm-hmm. that we can think together and talk together and puzzle over concerns in very open and and honest ways um i hope that anybody who reads the book finds partners like that
6: and i would i second all of that and i would say for one thing i've i've written a lot for education and i'm proud of all of it some is better than others though but this tops it all there and this i mean there's nothing that's been as important or meaningful for me as this. And that's, and, you know, I'm an older guy. I'm going to be 84 next month. And wow. to be Happy learning, learning so much new, thank you, at this stage of my life is very special. And then the other thing is these are friendships, not us mm-hmm. only us three, but the, the contributed yeah. uh, writer, teacher writers as well these are friendships. I mean, we talk about and support each other in our lives. It's been very important in those weekly uh, Zooms that we don't just do business. We care about each other and we've each had struggles that we've dealt with and we support each other. And that matters so much to me. Uh, And, you know, I have friends, I have professional friends, I have personal friends. But this is like both, and it's so rich, Um, even though the topic is so troubling, (laughs) it's kind of ironic.
5: Yeah, but we have, um, the conversations have been honest and real uh, and not always easy. You know, I remember one time I said, Steve, you need to do such and such. And he said, no, that's not me. I said, what do you mean that's not you? He said, I'm not going to write that because that's not me. And I said, well, that's what I think, you know? And he was like, well, that's not what I think, right? That's not me, you know? So the conversations are um, are real, um, are honest um, uh, and even revealing, revealing about yourself um, and your, your own ways in which you see the world. You know, sometimes you take for granted that your way is how everybody else sees it and it's not.
6: Mm-hmm. Right. Or the limits to that seeing the world.
5: Yes, absolutely. Are and we- so um, it's been an a, an amazing time. And I I just want to publicly thank my partners for um, putting up with me, because you, know? <laughs> you know the uh, there are lots of things that um, ways that I see the world or think, and mm. and even just how um, life happens, right? How life happens. And uh I just I want to just publicly thank them for, you know, their ability to, you know, maneuver and be open. This all really starts with uh, having a certain level of openness mm-hmm. Yeah and being able to to have these conversations and and even if you don't just you don't agree, at least you're willing to be open and uh, and listen to what another perspective might be. How often do we shut down conversations with our students or uh, with other adults because we believe what they're going to say is something that is something that we don't believe. Therefore, we don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. And I just think that the world would be such a better place if we at least started with openness, even if it hurts you, at least start with the ability to listen. uh, And then you'll be able
6: to, to move past some of these other things.
5: Well, I see our parents are back.
6: Well, we I'm back. just uh, let me just quickly add that takes relationship, it builds relationship and trust. And that's what teachers are going to need with each other if they're going to do the work.
0: Yeah. Tanya and I came back in and, and like we've been texting throughout this entire conversation. And um I want to stop and pause for a second and say if you're listening or if you're watching this, look at the five individuals that were in conversation with each other. Look them up, contact them if you can. Um, so much of this is just about knowledge and lived experience. It's just about understanding not only the local and the national histories of this of this nation, but the global history of our world. You know, we've been we've been in this conundrum for so long, hundreds and hundreds of years, especially those of us now in these k twelve schools where the storytelling and the narrations and the curriculum and the measurements, they've been so homogeneous and lopsided. There's so much to be learned from simply listening. Mm-hmm.
5: Listening is
0: so much at the core of it all. I, I'm just so thankful for almost a decade of learning from the Red Mountain Writing Project. Mm-hmm. The wisdom they host and hold, it, oh my God, it's immeasurable. We should just make questioning and inquiry central to the work that we do. And I know Steve does that. Question, ask, inquiry, wonder, right? But wait, I also think this is the National Writing Project way and why so many of us on this show are in agreement and so many of us exist as we do. So more more now than more now than ever before in my life, I feel like we need to coach and guide the importance of questioning and finding answers rather than being told that these answers are what we are measuring. It's bonkers, right? And with that, I'm going to step off my little soapbox because I was thinking about this and I had to get it off my chest. This was a beautiful show for a beautiful book with a beautiful crew talking about it. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being who you are. Tanya? <laughs> Is that mute?
1: <laughs> did one job, which was to let Jamika and Sanjanika have their uh...
0: final prompt.
1: Their final prompt. I failed because I was was on my phone. Share their final prompt.
0: It's a good one too.
1: All right. So
4: it's been such a rich conversation. I hate for it to end, but if we do have to end, we don't want um, us as people who are still Um, the hands and feet who touch children, and the people who are watching to forget about these things. So I want you to think about this and um, ponder and write if you would like. So just understanding the weight of this work. We've talked about that throughout this conversation. How will you, as interrupters, celebrate the successes and creativity of yourself, your students, and your communities? If you'd like to write, please take that time.
1: Thank you, Sanjanika. It means I get to have the last word. And my last word, as always, in all of my work in the writing project, and particularly with this community of people, is thank you. Thank you, Tanya, Steve, and Katie, for this beautiful book. And congratulations. I hope you're um, all celebrating the success of the book and the awards it's winning and the words that it's the words of celebration that it's um, receiving. Uh, I want to thank you, Sanjanika and Jamika, for um, that having those great questions that really made space for a lovely conversation where we could both hear about the book, but also get a sense of how it was put together and and the relationships that are behind and underneath it. And my last job always is to thank you, listeners. We're really glad you're here. We hope that you have immediately gone to bookshop and ordered this book. Um, We hope also that you stay with us in our community because we do believe that um, everyone on the show is a member of a writing project site and a member of the national community. And we really believe that these important conversations can happen here And that um, it's a space where a lot of people, I'm going to keep this in mind, Steve, um, are willing to pick a card, any card, and just (laughs) get started on the problems of practice that face us in education today. So um, if you aren't already a part of the National Writing Project, please go to our website, nwp.org, and sign up. Um, for the Right Now newsletter, where you will hear all about um, upcoming opportunities to join conversations or to hear shows like this one. Uh, We have a community space called the Right Now Teacher Studio at studio.nwp.org. And there you can engage in conversation with teachers, these teachers and other teachers like them who are really um, trying t- every day to show up and listen and ask the hard questions. Um, and if you want to find this show and others like it you can um, find NWP radio. So thank you everyone. thank you panel of colleagues and friends. I'm so glad to have spent this evening with you.
2: Thank you Tanya. Thank you so much Thank you Brian thank you all. Thank you.
3: Thank you all.